Of course, this month we are marking, we are celebrating Africa Month and our conversation for this hour is really focusing on Pan-Africanism, the idea of Pan-Africanism. How many Africans still believe in this idea of a unified Africa, of a people that have common interests, of a people that have a common destiny? Those are just one of the ways that um, we can define Pan-Africanism. And it was really some of the forefathers of the continent that spoke to some of these principles of unity, the likes of uh, Kwame Nkrumah, the likes of Thomas Sankara, Julius Nyerere, uh, Robert Sobukwe, Tabombeki, uh, to name just some of you know the, the, the legends that have painted an idea of what Africa should aspire to be collectively as a people, not just as independent states, but collectively. Where are we today where that conversation is concerned? Do we still believe in a unified Africa? Dr. Zulu Matabo Zulu is a research scientist and director of Madisebo University Research Institute. Dr. Zulu, good morning to you. Thank you for your time this morning. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, good morning uh, and also uh, good greetings to your audience. Let me begin by asking you, what does Pan-Africanism mean to you? Well, uh, Pan-Africanism is a very uh, powerful uh, concept slash philosophy uh, because it is about us as the Africans on this beautiful African motherland uh, working together to ensure that Africa is uh, uh, emancipated, you know, from from the shackles, from colonialism, from enslavement, and also from vestigial pains uh, of like foreign occupation, you know, uh, extraction of resources, and and even from uh, pestilence. So for me, um, Pan Africanism means that uh, collectively, as the Africans, we have to work towards a goal of um, creating a united Africa or United States of Africa, if you may put it that way. And, and, and the whole idea is that uh, we must be able to bring peace on the African continent. So that means uh, we have to bring an end to civil conflict. We have to ensure Africa is not encumbered by civil wars. You know, so like, like, like today, for example, we see countries like Congo, for example, they, they, are, they are caught up in that, you know, the destruction of Libya in 2011, that sort of stuff. So freedom from uh, civil conflict and also freedom from uh, poverty uh, and also freedom from immorality. We see a lot of moral decay happening, uh, you know, things like gender violence and, and so forth. So, and also uh, we must also uh, improve and build and strengthen our family system. A family is extremely important in African uh, culture. Uh, so today we see this phenomenon of uh, father absence, for example, which is very destructive. So uh, Pan-Africanism cannot uh, thrive uh, w- w- without addressing these issues. Thank you. 
one of you know the the most recent leaders that that I can think of who not only spoke and 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 pushed for pan africanism but I think even when you look at his legacy it speaks to how much of um, how much he bought into this ideology of a united africa is is tabombegi i i don't think that we have seen that kind of a leadership at least in in being vocal but also in, in establishing systems that specifically speak to an africa that can be well positioned to solve its problems um collectively as 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 tabombegi often said african solutions to african problems how much of that matters in as far as what we're seeing today and this drift that there appears to be within different countries uh, towards pan-Africanism. Oh, yes, oh, the, the great uh, Tabombek indeed has championed the cause of, uh, you know, the unity of, uh, of Africa and, and also he was part of the uh, establishment of the African Union which, of course, uh, used to be called uh, OAU, Organization of African Unity. So, and, 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 and he's, he's very proud and passionate in, for example, uh, preserving the legacy of Africa. Like we know, he was involved in the project of the manuscripts of Timbuktu, for example, you know, uh, South Africa under the great Tabombeki, uh, you know, put a lot of resources to ensure that... Uh, you know, uh, our institutional memory of African civilization in terms of written manuscripts are actually preserved. And it was quite sad uh, that when the, you know, civil uh, conflict broke out in Mali, and uh, we saw some of the extremists actually destroying those manuscripts. So, so yes, uh, you know, he has really championed this cause very well, and, uh, and we give thanks to that. Uh, and also I would like to add that uh, we want to see young people leading the charge in terms of this pan-Africanism. I think that's going to be very critical. And there are a lot of great African pan-Africanists here. So, you know, for example, uh, there is um, uh, the great uh, protagonist of African uh, uh, sovereign independence, and I'm talking here about uh, uh, the former president of Nigeria, uh, Obasanjo. You know, Obasanjo is, is definitely one of the greatest, if not the greatest leader on the African continent. I'll give an example. He, uh, you know, um, uh, in the 60s when, uh, for example, uh, Nigeria was uh, caught up in, in corrupt practices and politicians were not improving the lives of people, they staged a coup. They staged a coup and then uh, they arrested these corrupt politicians, threw them in jail. You know, and then there was this uh, civil war where Biafra wanted to actually, Biafra seceded and created their own republic. Well, it was uh, Obasanjo, as a very young, and he was a young military general. He is the one who went there and secured the surrender of Biafra. And then, uh, and I can recall that uh, when when the uh, Biafra was surrendering, saying that, no, they are coming back to Nigeria, uh, he said, uh, well, let's wait a little bit. Let's get the media, let's get uh, the writers, let's get everybody to record this moment in history. And that's exactly what happened. And today, Nigeria is, is united. But what's interesting is that around 1999, he was, um, uh, you know, uh, he, he contested the elections as a civilian, and he was elected. 
and he ruled for about I think uh, seven eight years. So around two yeah about eight years. So around two thousand and seven, you know that's when his term ended. But here's an interesting fact: uh, the foreign reserves of Nigeria in nineteen ninety nine was around you know a few billion uh, a few billion maybe two billion at that time. Uh, but by the time he ended his term in two thousand and seven. The, the reserves of, of Nigeria had grown to more than $50 billion. I don't th- I, I'm not aware of any African leader who has achieved that. You see, and today as we speak, Nigeria is number one uh, economic power on the African continent. So I'm, so I'm just giving an example of another, you know, one of the great leaders, and we have another one called Makofuli, right? These are great Pan-Africanists. Makufuli was the president of Tanzania, of course, and uh, Makufuli, uh, he was very strong on the principle that the Tanzanian minerals must not be exported. They need to be processed locally, right? And then, and then he, he, was, he, was, he was vilified for that. And he also talked about COVID vaccine, and he said that the COVID vaccine uh, should be tested before it is rolled out in the African uh, population. Because we don't know what, uh, what, what ingredients are contained today. So he wanted to identify those ingredients and make sure we understand the implications of the COVID vaccine. Because this COVID vaccine is created by uh, countries like America and uh, European uh, you know, countries. These are the former colonizers and former slave masters. So you, know, so you can't just uh, trust them like that. It's, it's, it would be like a buffalo trusting you know, a lion, a lion giving a vaccine to the buffalo. You know, what kind of a vaccine is that going to be? So, uh, so when we talk about a prof- a, 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 so, so the, the protagonists of uh, pan-Africanism, so we are really talking about people who are the unbought and unsold architects of destiny. And their, their, their mission is to ensure that Africa is, is enjoying permanent liberation. So it's true, some people have kind of deviated, as you mentioned, in the sense that, uh, you know, uh, they've become more inward, and, and so they are more limited to their borders, for example, but not realizing that these borders were created by the, uh, by the ECC, Euro-Christian colonialists. Right. Uh, these are people who created these borders. These borders are arbitrary. Uh, you know, for example, take an example about Zimbabwe and, and South Africa. So uh, we have uh, indigenous South Africans who found themselves in Zimbabwe, especially I'm talking about the Ndebeles, for example, even the Shonas. You know, uh, when you meet people in Limpopo, they speak, uh, they speak many languages there, but they're also able to speak uh, Shona. For example, and I didn't understand why, and that's when I understood that no, they are part of us. You know, we are safe. And you, you've got, you go to Namibia. Uh, when I was writing my book, uh, The Sacred Knowledge of the Desert: African Philosophical Transcendence, I I met people there who are Basutu. For example, you go to Malawi, there are Zulus there. For example, and even Zambia, you find Basutu, you find Zulus, and so forth. Right. So, mm-hmm. so it's very important that um, uh, we need to uphold this uh, principle.
Dr. Zulu, I'm going to ask you to pause it there. We're going to continue uh, with the conversation after the 10.30 news headlines. I'd love to hear from you. Um, what is your idea of pan-Africanism? Do you still, or have you ever bought into it as, as an ideology? And do you think that Africa should still be working towards a United States of of Africa. We'll, con- we'll have that conversation after the latest headlines with Liesl Wilson. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We are looking at Pan-Africanism. What is the future of Pan-Africanism? What does Pan-Africanism even mean in a period, in a year like what we are living in, 2022, given the divisions that we're seeing on the continent? And and I think we, when, when you look at how we identify, um, it, it's not from the premise of trying to find commonalities, but we're so clear about the things that separate us. Uh, Dr. Zulu Matabo Zulu is joining us. He's our guest for this morning. I'll also be taking your calls shortly on 011-714-2006. And you know, Dr. Zulu, this, I, this issue of identity is a really big one when uh, we talk about pan-Africanism because it's about saying that within our different identities, we also have these commonalities that bind us as as Africans. But, um, you know, even that idea seems to, to be drifting, that people emphasize the differences now more than ever before. Yes, and that is unfortunate. Um, but I think uh, that I would say that um, that has to do with the way our family uh, systems have been, uh, you know, become unstable, have been, uh, have been uh, destroyed. Uh, and, and the main causality of the family uh, destruction is the father absence. So, uh, you know, as a, as a black man, I, I, I really find it sad that uh, we black men have not really done enough to ensure the survivability of a family. You know, it doesn't matter uh, what are the disagreements between the father and the mother, but it's very critical that uh, both parents must uh, think about their children. And, and always do things in the interest of the children. So that means that the father must not uh, speak ill of the mother when he's with the children, or the mother must not speak ill of the father in front of the children. But now, today we have this moral decay, and, I, and, and now there is nobody who is teaching the children about Pan-Africanism in this particular case. Uh, you know, that uh, the people of Zimbabwe, the people of Mozambique, uh, the people of Namibia, the people of Botswana, Zambia, Nigeria, they are part of us. We are the same people. Nobody's teaching that. Because, you see, if you look at a single parent, so the mother has to go to work in order to, you know, uh, uh, bring uh, bread to the, to the home. So while she's away, so she's also not connected to the children. Uh, because he spends most of the time at work. So now the fallback position becomes Goko Nkhono, right? She's the one now who has carried this burden. So these factors 
are very important in terms of the children not being properly educated about, uh, you know, Pan-Africanism and, and also about the fact that we're all the same. Let's make an example. So look at Mozambique, for example. Uh, so uh, when you read our African history, um, you know, there was a great man who lived in north of uh, uh, Zululand uh, by the name of Soshangahane. So Soshangahane was a military general, right, just like the great Mzelagasompisi of Shaga, you know, and Chingwai Gamahole under, you know, Kachwayo Kampande, you know, and Omanyonyobani, you know, Tillis and so forth. So uh, what Soshangani did, he left after the, the battle between uh, uh, Zwite and Shaga. So he left and went to Delagoa Bay. Delagoa Bay is in Mozambique. He established a new kingdom in what is known as a Gaza province today. Samara Michel comes from that uh, province. And then he created a great kingdom. And he was teaching people there that, you know, I'm from uh, Zululand, but we are the same people. You see that? And that's why there are people who are called Shangan. There's a language called Shangan because it comes from him. And, uh, and then you have the same thing uh, in, um, in Zimbabwe. Mziligaz went there. So Mziligaz was the military general. Uh, for the regiment of Kumalo under uh, King Shaka. You see that. And so, and so, uh, and when he left, and there's a lot of distortion of history, of course, when he left, uh, he did not live on, on war. There's a lot of stories that say that, you know, he disagreed with Shaka, he fell to Shaka. That's not the case, because when he actually left, uh, King Shaka gave him a, a very important gift, and that was, uh, you know, a spear made out of ivory. And he said, no, go and, and remember Zululand where you are and, and extend the, the values of Zululand. And that's exactly what he did. He went, and when he arrived in, in um, Zimbabwe, he called that place Bulawai. Bulawai was the headquarters of King Shaka. You see that? And then, and then he built a museum there, and he deposited this uh, ivory spear in that museum. You see, so you can, you can, you could, you could always remember that. And there's a lot of Kumalos here in, uh, in, in South Omashoban, for example. And we have the same thing also in many other different parts of, of the African continent. So, so the real issue is, is the fact that nobody is teaching the children. And as a result, we have these issues of xenophobia. Oh, that, that's really powerful, Dr. Zulu. Let me go to East, East London. Dumile, good morning. Uh, good morning, Katie, and uh, and uh, and the prof. Uh, you know, for me, I, I would like to say I think that the the most basic problem we have suffered as Africans is our our lack of of self pride, you know, and class. Because initially, like any society, that that you start with an intention, but that intention is mostly anchored on how much you love yourself and how you see yourself in the future. Like the cities we had built before in in places like your Merowe, your Egypt. Uh, your Mapungube, those cities, we didn't build them just because we had fun. Or our understanding of the stars and sciences, we didn't just develop them because we, we were fun. But we understood ourselves as a, as a great race. But as it is uh, now, we, 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 we have lost the sense of kingdoms. You know, uh, women, uh, they behave like, like girls perpetually, and men are behaving like perpetual boys. No one is willing to own up and... Uh, and because we, we, we've lost the wars, you know, we, our wars with, with, with the Caucasians, we've somehow given up 
and negotiated a settlement, like the same way that the Mswatis and the Mushoshos used to do. But we should have, I think, we should have continued to fight on, like like our Abo, Abo King Mukhosi, you know, to protect our kingdoms and develop higher sciences. These days, we, we celebrate entertainers. For instance, there's a young guy here from Tata who's developed one of the best laser technologies in the world, and he's got a planet named after him, Siakuza. But you never hear about him. Everything we hear about is always artists, you know, entertainers. Uh, that boy developed that uh, laser tech, I mean, years ago. He, he, mm. There's a planet named after him. Harvard has abducted him, you know, but we, we never hear a word about him. The guy is from here in Tata. Instead, we are so focused on, on, on dancing, all these things that keep people in a perpetual state of, of being young, you know. Like, we want to have this fun, perpetual fun, that I don't know where it's ending, <laughs> you know. Mm. People just want to dance. They want to. I mean, we don't focus on on the core things. And if you look at the Chinese and the white people, they might have their internal differences. But when they have to do, to defend the race, they come together. But for us, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's become a problem. So we really need to work on those things. And I believe the future of the children depends on the parents. So we can say whatever. But if the parents and if you are a parent now, but you're not doing anything to make sure that your kids grow up well, you can't blame the kids after and say. No, the kids are this and that because you as the parent, the 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 future starts from those you've lived it before. Mm-hmm. So we need to do something as parents, you know, first to make sure we reclaim the greatness of our kingdom as the African. Then we can move from then on and have some sense of class and pride, man. How in how we do things. Stop peeing, you know, peeing all over the place. People they just pee all over the place. They throw papers all over the place. It's like we don't love this continent. You know, so we really need to, to, to do a lot. But yeah, that's that's all I wanted to say. D- Dumile, you, you. you'll be happy to, to know that just last mm. month I was speaking mm. to, to Sia and, and we're arranging when we, we can have him on the show. Lovely. He's just Lovely. traveling the world yeah. and is running an international business. Ha, and so at uh, what what um, what the, the time... Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, we we need to celebrate. Though you know, we need, you know we have the highest uh, best paid robotics engineers from Nigeria. Mm. We don't say anything, but the whole month has been about who's this guy, Black Coffee for an award that he won. We've celebrated our latest meet. Nothing. I don't take anything away from them because music is also a high science, you know. But we really need to to to, to put our priorities straight, you know. All right. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. all I wanted to say. All right, right Dumile. Thanks for that call. Okay. Um, okay, yeah, okay. I, I was looking for time difference. Uh, the, the reason we haven't been able to do it is because he's been traveling a lot, and so the time differences in some of the uh, the places where he's at is just it's just too difficult uh, to be able to 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 meet um, you know a, an interview obligation. But uh, he certainly is on the cards, and he's very keen to to come on to the show. Uh, Sabelo, you're calling us from Dawn Park. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right, thank mm-hmm. you. I'm very much pleased to hear this. In fact, you come, always come up with uh, very good topics. It's unfortunate that I'm always back. I only hear you sometimes and uh, just leave get to work. You've got but to pay the bills, Sabelo. You've got to pay the bills. I'll have to. <laughs> I'll have to. Uh, I, I miss you for, for a long time now. But let me just uh, show you this thing. I, I think maybe this has to come up with our, our president. Maybe whoever is given the chance of being a president should first come look at maybe to start with the static. Static making that making sure that maybe the area of static is co working. 
Sabelo, uh, just hang on for me. I'm going to ask Lebo to call you back because um, that line to you is not very clear. I think we can get you up on a better line. So Lebo will call you back shortly. Let me go to Kakisho. You're calling us from Coffee Fontaine. Good morning, Kakisho. Uh, good morning, Kathy. Yes. Yes, uh, I like the topic that you guys are having this morning regarding Pan-Africanism. And uh, me personally, I'm all for it. You know, I support it 100%. Mm. But Pan-Africanism cannot start at the expense of citizens. It has to start at the top. You know, you know I, I would like that as Africans, Africa should unite. I should be able to say when I go to the DRC, I don't need a lot of documents to go to, to the DRC. I want people from the DRC, when they come to South Africa, they don't need to uh, have a lot of documents uh, coming to South Africa, whether for working, leisure, or whatever, or doing business. But now, some people have this misconception of that Pan-Africanism, Pan-Africanism means that I can go to my neighbor's house. What's out there following the correct procedures because we're African. And when I go to my, my neighbor's house, I go and, uh, uh, what do you call this? I misbehave there. And then when you, when I, when I, when you, your neighbor calls out your misbehavior, then you tell your neighbor, but your children are also doing the same. Why are you focusing on, 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 on me? Robert? Shouldn't you rather be focusing on, 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 on your children? You can never have pan-Africanism in, in Africa, whereas other African countries are not trying to fix their problems, and then they want to outsource their problems to other, other African countries. It's never going to work like that. Robert. Countries need to sort out their issues first. Where they need help, they can ask for help, and I think help will be provided. Mm. But now the problem comes when... Uh, the half of the continent wants to outsource their country to one single country, and then you tell them this is not sustainable. But, but Kakisho, is, is the problem not at two levels, right? Because if you think about it, there's a role that leaders and, and political leaders in countries play, but the majority will always be people. And if we have common values, so uh, things that we can all agree on um, in terms of how our societies are, are run, how our families are run, etc., that that in and of itself would be even more powerful um, in, in the face of leaders that don't necessarily want to do the right thing. I agree with you, Kirsty. But now, how do you as a society... Case in point, it's unclear what's happening in Zimbabwe. But then how do you, as a South African, want to help Zimbabweans or better the, the situation in Zimbabwe when Zimbabweans they don't themselves are not even prepared to better their situation? Because but, but can you can Africa? you honestly say that, Kahisho? Can you say that, you know, Zimbabweans don't want to better their, their situation? You know, I've, I've, I've told you that thing the last time. Now, I don't know, because I live with these people. You know, I live among them. They they are selling in the streets, you know, whatever they can sell. We talk. I ask them, guys, 
if it if, if it was according uh, it was if it was depending on you, how would you uh, like South Africans to be uh, to help you guys? Most of them are putting the blame on the ANC, you know, saying that when uh, Zanupi had lost the election, Tabombeki declared the elections free and fair and everything like that. They say, all right, maybe there's a truth, maybe it's not a truth. But now, uh, are we going to say we're going to blame Tabombeki in the ANC for, for, for forever? Because now, the ANC is using power in 2024. That's a, that's a, that's a definite. I'm asking again, how is it that the ordinary South Africans should help you guys in Zimbabwe? Leave the ANC alone. Leave Tabombeki alone. Baba. Okay. All right, yeah. Kishu, let's leave it there with you for this morning. I think you've made the point, and I'll get uh, Dr. Zulu's views in a moment. I want to take Sabelo in Dawn Park. Sabelo, you're back on the line. Good morning again. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, look, if we can have the, the willing presidents of these uh, SATEC countries to work together and also to have our own history, which is the SATEC history, and then it should be allowed that our our history should be like rewritten because Mina I did not get anything from the history that I was uh, uh, reading because our uh, thought of uh, uh, people have ne- will never be like familiar with. Mm. So this history that we we are talking of, and then when you look at Africanism, when you look at trying to reserve, conserve, I don't know whether I could conserve what we we have. It should start with the presidents of the subject and go to Africa. And then you know that once we are trying to, to amalgamate these things, and then uh, the colonizers, they are going to get in between and make us, making sure that we are fighting one another. As we speak now, some other leaders who are trying to look at the Africa is that Africa, they are no more. And then there they, they should be some... Uh, spreading way, the wrong way to say this man is like uh, something of this nature and mm, mm. And we've got these people being killed. <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, if I can tell you, to be honest with you, I was very much fond of Mugabe. You know what? Because the person was, uh, well, I'm, I'm very frank, the person was looking at the country of his best and then knowing that we've got something and there's somebody coming from outside and trying to detect about us, it's because there is something that the person is looking from us here, and then we need to be divided. You keep on being divided, and then we'll fall by one by one, and then the countries of world will be taking everything in the European, they will be taking everything from us. As long as we don't have the willingness of our presidents, our presidents are selling us day in, in, day out to these Western countries. That's what I, I can say. And then if we can rewrite our history, we can have the the very, uh, what you call, fruitful information about our land right. and what we have. Mm. Thank you very much. All right, Sabelo. Uh, thanks mm. for calling in. Let me go to Kuma. Willie, good morning. Oh, oh good morning, ladies. <clears throat> uh, mine is a question. Uh, uh, to say uh, pan-Africanism and, uh, and uh, the United States Africa to be united, like the uh, United States of America, United States of Africa. Uh, the, the difference between those two points, what is it? Okay. 
All right. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that, Willie. Unfortunately, <laughs> your line is not very clear, but I think uh, Dr. Zulu probably heard what you're saying. So, Dr. Zulu, just to uh, re re-emphasize, he's asking, you know, the mm-hmm. idea of the United States of of America versus the United mm-hmm. States of Africa. What would be yes. the difference between those two things? I'm going to wrap Absolutely. it. I'm going to wrap it up with Idumeleng in Mahikeng. Idumeleng, good morning. Hi, Dumeleng. Um, okay, I am a proponent of Pan-Africanism myself, mm-hmm. and I would like to know from Mucholo Dr. Zulu, what is the role of institutions in helping us actualize the values and objectives of Pan-Africanism? Uh, because Mucholo Zulu spoke about the family as a central institution for us as African people. But I would like Mucholoko uh, Dr. Zulu to talk more about the role and importance of educational institutions, particularly Madisebo University, as an independent African-centered institution, which will help um, actualize the objectives of Pan-Africanism. Thank All you. right. Thanks. Thanks for that question, Itumeleng. Mm-hmm. Dr. Zulu, let me give you a chance to perhaps weigh in on, on some of the things that have been raised by our listeners so far before I take more calls. Oh, thanks a lot. Yes. Uh, and thank you, uh, Itumeleng, for, for that question, uh, the very good question. And also, uh, of course, we need to address the question about the difference between the United States of Africa, if we ever materialize that, and the United States of America. So maybe we can start with that and say that uh, the difference between United States of Africa and United States of America is that United States of America is based on colonial conquest. So those people that today we call Americans, they don't originate there. That land belongs to the aboriginals people of, of, of that, what, what, what historically would be referred to as the Red Indians. So I lived with them because I lived, I spent more than 20 years of my life in exile in Canada. So that's all what we call the Americas. And then I interacted with them, their ceremonies, their gatherings, and so forth. So uh, that, that is the colonial conquest. So that is the ECC, Euro-Christian colonialism. That's what characterizes the United States of America. And they continue to do that. They continue to go to other countries uh, to conquer, as we know, the wars they've waged in Iraq, uh, the destruction of Syria, and so forth. And today, of course, uh, they're waging war. They're they're, they're fomenting this war between Russia and Ukraine, even though Russia and Ukraine, they are the same people. They belong to the Slavic civilization. But because they are the masters, but because, you see, the Americans are the masters of divide and rule. They have perfected that skill. We must give it to them. So that's what's happening there. Now, United States of Africa is going to be based on indigenous civilization, right? It's not going to be based on the principles of colonial conquest. So that is the fundamental difference uh, between the two. And then, of course, on the question of the role of uh, family, the role of educational institutions, uh, an excellent question. So I would like to say in that regard that uh, we need to have indigenous institutions of learning. 
the biggest mistake we have made as African people here in the land of Azania is that we never built our own schools. So we take our children to the schools that have been built by others. And most often we're talking here about the schools that were built by the colonial descendants or the colonial conquerors. conquerors. Now, the mission of a, of, of, of a historically colonial, colonial institution is to miseducate the black child about reality. That's why you need, we need our indigenous so that we can educate people correctly about reality. Uh, so, 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 because it's like the buffalo and, and, and the lion. So if you send the buffalo to a lion school, uh, they're going to complain about the hoofs of the, lion, of the buffalo that you know, is making noise. These hoofs need to be changed. So some surgery has to be performed. And they're going to complain about the horns that you see. Look around. You know, nobody has got horns. They're the only one. So they're going to have to chop the horns of mm. the buffalo. Mm. But, of course, without the horns, the buffalo is defenseless, you see. And, 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 so, and we see that happening yeah. in so many different ways, um, uh, Dr. Zulu, in, in our schools. You know, we, we see it happening in so many different ways. Absolutely. Including just something as basic as hay, you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then the other person who was talking about, uh, you know, people for outsourcing, he was talking about out, African countries outsourcing, you know, uh, to other countries, for example, you know, Zimbabwe, Zimbabweans here in South Africa and stuff like that. So I just wanted to uh, make, make a point that uh, there is no deliberate attempt on any African country to outsource its problems to South Africa. People come here because, you know, they, they, they need to come here, they are attracted to this country, and so forth. And I think uh, we should look at that as also a blessing in disguise. For example, if you look at Nigerians, so Nigerians, they, they have a very vibrant enterprising culture. You know, I, I lived with them in, in, for example, in Canada, America. You would see a Nigerian opening a shop there and doing better than the American or the Canadian, you see, because they don't have this inferiority complex that a white person is better than them, you see. So they are very strong in that regard. And, and maybe we can take a page from them. Maybe we can learn and say, okay, how do we revive our enterprising culture? We used to have an enterprising culture here in South Africa. We used to sell stuff. We have trading routes. We used to go to the coast and sell goods that uh, went to China, India, Turkey, right. you know, for example, mm. you know, stuff like that. Right. So we should be able to do that, yeah. Dr. Zulu, I just want to take one last caller who's been holding. Nandi, you're calling us from Alberton. Good morning. Hello, Nandi. Hello. Hi, Kathy. Thank you for the opportunity. And uh, thank you for the work that your guests have done, uh, which actually uh, goes to prove what all of us know, that uh, we are actually the same people. You know, I see myself in any African country. I could be Nigerian. I could be... Malawian, I could be anywhere else because we are the same people. Mm. The only problem I have is the fundamental view that uh, opens South Africa 
and because all Africa and the, the boundaries between countries that we had were drawn by the uh, colonialists. And look, <laughs> I, I have a very big problem in that uh, states have been divided so that they could be economic units, like as a South African. I'm paying tax for my people here, for everybody here, for infrastructure here, that uh, it should be for South Africa. And I'm not going to say South Africans because they will say I'm xenophobic. And when we do that and allow people to come from all over, to come and settle here, to come and do what they want to do here because it's Africa, who must take care of the people who come here? Because the majority of them, they come because they are poor. So I just I don't know what the doctor feels about it because mm. if we redraw and do anything, we must know that those uh, uh, boundaries that are going to be drawing, we are going to draw them with this functional thing in mind that there must be a state that has people that we know so many can pay taxes so many can benefit from them. Thank you so much. All right, Nandi, thanks mm. for that. Dr. Zulu, I'm going to ask you to keep it very brief for me, please. Okay, thank you. So uh, that's an excellent question, actually. And I think uh, the, the government of South Africa needs to take responsibility for that. They didn't handle the, the aspect of refugees, foreigners coming here correctly, you see. And uh, I'll make an example. So I lived in Botswana, so we were, we were there in exile. And what they did in Botswana, we lived in a refugee settlement camp called Dukwe. That is in northern uh, Botswana. So we, left, we lived there. We were not allowed to get out of the camp. You see, if you wanted to go to a town like Francistown to buy some stuff, we needed to get a police permit. So there was a settlement commandant there. Uh, Madibela, who gave us a permit. He would ask you, why are you going to do that? You explain. Then you get the permit. And there was a truck that uh, moved us from Dukwe to Francistown. And we bought our stuff. We did whatever we did. And then once we were done, the truck took us back to Dukwe. So there was no problem between the indigenous Botswanas and us exiles. But what has happened here in the land of Azania is that uh, they did not create a special place for people coming from outside. And, and so there is no monitoring. All right. And, Do, and, and that Zulu, is the issue. Mm, yeah. We're completely out of time. Apologies for mm. that. Uh, Dr. Zulu Matabozulu is research scientist and director of Madisebo University Research Institute.